0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host Tony Dodds, I'm an attorney here in Lakeland. To call into the show today, the, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430 to contact me at my office. The number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. My office is conveniently located at 904 South Missouri Avenue here in Lakeland. That is directly behind the old Southside dry cleaners that's on South Florida Avenue. My building is literally directly behind their building. Today, I thought we would talk about a topic that is very relevant for how things are going in the country right now. And that's dealing with what I call the fallacy of cryptocurrency. And I'm going to apologize in advance to those of you that have bought into that and, and maybe even made quite a bit of money on it. That's great for you, but it was all a fallacy from day one when it started. And I'm going to try to go into the analysis of why that is the case and why that legally I think it's a bad idea. Um, But, again, if you have your own opinions and you've made a lot of money at it, that's great. There are a lot of people within the last two weeks that have lost a lot of money as a result of that. And it, it has some long-term legal implications, uh, but the net result is there's probably very little those investors can do at this point other than hope it turns around much like some of us that used to have Kmart stock used to hope that would turn around, and that never did. And quite frankly, I've probably still got 500 shares of penny stock on that left out there somewhere in, in la-la land. But the, the long and the short of it is I actually had a better backing with Kmart at the time, especially when Sears bought into it and took over the ownership of the company than you really have with cryptocurrency. Now, a lot of people go, what is cryptocurrency? I'm, I'm one of those people. What is cryptocurrency? It's, a, it's labeled as being a digital currency. Um, it's not issued by a bank or a government. It's issued through... Fantasy land is the best way I can put it, through the internet or through a computer programming device somewhere. And a lot of people don't even know where this computer program's at. They just buy into the concept of I'm going to invest my money into what's called cryptocurrency with the idea that it's going to return a reward. Well, like most Ponzi schemes, and I'll go into that much later, The people that invest early, if it works at all, are the ones that are going to make money. The ones that invest later are the ones that are at substantial risk of losing quite a bit of money. And I'm going to use Bitcoin as my example a lot in this because it was kind of the pioneer in the area. There may have been some earlier ones. There certainly were later ones that are out there. But this is the easiest one to kind of wrap our heads around. Uh, because it's the one that was most talked about, still probably the most promulgated, uh, and it's the easiest one to try to discuss the overall good parts and the pitfalls of, um, to try to get an idea of how to describe it to people. But it's like you're putting your money into something with the hopes that it will have more money available to it, a, a digital form of currency as opposed to carrying hard cash in your pocket. You know, there's ones, the fives, the tens, the fifties, and the hundreds. Or even coinage, your, your penny, your nickel, your dime, your quarter, and your half dollar and dollars. This is in the form of, it's like internet connectivity type currency. In other words, you have money you could spend, but it's through some program somewhere. And there are a number of problems that have arisen as a result of this. Um, The least of which, or actually the most of which, is the fact that it can be hacked. Much like everything else in life, we've seen city governments, computer systems, getting hacked. Where they're held hostage until you pay ransomware. Well, in this case, you're not actually paying ransomware. They're taking your asset once they've been able to hack into your account in the form of either Bitcoin or these other cryptocurrencies, they get your investment or your money that you are owed based on what it has developed into, your share, so to speak, and they can hack into it and take it from you, and it gets put into a separate location that is completely untraceable. In other words, once they've taken it, even when they take it from your account at Bitcoin, Bitcoin can't figure out where it went. There's no way they would even know. And it's not like a, a dollar bill or a $50 bill that's actually got a serial number on it. You know, when, when money gets taken from a bank, a lot of times there's certain numbers of bills that have been issued to a bank in general, especially when they're initially issued. Those things are traceable and therefore can later be ascertained who may have been involved in the crime based on the traceability of the bill. There is absolutely no way to trace one of these types of hacks through Bitcoin. It it is completely, it's air to begin with. And I say air, actually you can breathe air. You can't breathe this stuff in. This is where you have put your money into something, and you are hoping that it increases rather than decreases. And that's why it's really not in the form of a currency even though it can be used to purchase items. It a lot of times turns into more of an investment for somebody where it sits stagnant. And therefore the issue is really is it a cryptocurrency or a crypto investment? And that's something we're going to talk to uh, talk about a little bit more after the break. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to The Legal, Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. As I indicated before, I'm an attorney here in Lakeland, and during the break we had a caller. Yes, go ahead, caller. Uh, yes, this is
1: James from Auburndale.
0: Yes, sir, go ahead.
1: Uh, after all this time, Tony, I cannot believe that no one has even thought about this yet, but I still say that this is like an overrated, high-class uh, pyramid scheme.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what myself and, and the uh, producer of the show over here were talking about before the show actually started. I'm actually going to call it a Ponzi scheme, but a Ponzi and pyramid scheme are very similar to each other.
1: Okay, well, well could you be able to describe the, what a pyramid scheme is so people understand it? Sure. And I'll, I'll hang up and listen to your response.
0: Okay. A, a pyramid scheme, a traditional pyramid scheme, is where people invest on the bottom end and then it works its way up to the top. In other words, your top people are usually the ones that have invested first, okay? They're the ones that started the whole thing. That's why it's a very narrow group at the top. As it goes down in the pyramid, that's more investors that have involved themselves in it. Uh, There are some national companies where they reward the initial investors for bringing in new members, and I'm not going to name names on that. Those have never been called a pyramid scheme, so to speak, at least nationally yet because at least you're getting some benefit out of the products that they sell within those companies but in this case what they're selling is a a imaginary coin and the people at the top of that pyramid those initial investors are the ones that are going to make the money out of it because they're bringing in new investors their share so to speak or their coin is going to go up in value. And that's what a, a, the nature of a pyramid scheme is. The money and profits derived are based on new investments, not any increase in actual value of the investment, but it's based on new investments. And pyramid schemes have long been held to be illegal. It will be interesting, ultimately, and I'll try to address this more towards the end of the program, as to whether these Bitcoin-type Things with cryptocurrency are ultimately seen as a pyramid scheme or not. And if they are, then that's going to lead to other issues for whoever created it to begin with. And that's one of the biggest issues is nobody seems to know who's in control of this whole thing. But as James was asking about, a pyramid scheme, your people at the top, the initiator and then the initial investors, they're going to make money off of the later investors who drive the price and cost of the overall item up. Now, what are you getting? Well, you're really not getting anything other than a share of something that exists through the Internet only. Uh, Now, you can, in certain instances and in certain ways, buy things using your currency that you have through Bitcoin. But you have to find retailers and or businesses that will accept it as a form of payment. Yes, we've got another caller. Go ahead, caller.
1: This is Gordon. I wasn't gonna call in, but I got curious about the difference between a pyramid and a Ponzi. So I looked it up and what is what I see in Google is that pyramid schemes, unlike Ponzi schemes, usually offer the victim an opportunity to make some money as opposed to simply an investment. And also I wanted to, to repeat what I mentioned on, on your Facebook that if there is a collapse of the grid, that, that these Bitcoin and crypto things could go down. And beside that, the the method of investing in people and that Jesus describes in Luke chapter 16, I think is more reliable long-term than investing in some scheme or skin. Well,
0: And and, and let me clarify what you just said a little bit. You're talking about investing in people. I don't disagree with you at all. We need to invest in workforce and people being able to work and produce goods. And that also includes investing in goods themselves. This isn't a good. This is something that's out there. And I used the term fantasy land earlier. It really is. There's nothing tangible that you can hold in your hands that you actually own out of something like this. You may have a code to an account somewhere that allows you to access something to try to pay for something, but you really don't have a hard asset at that point. Um, and, and does that kind of make some sense?
1: Oh, yeah. There's one other thing. People have said that they should invest in crypto as some sort of alternative in case the dollar collapses. And I believe the dollar will eventually collapse at some point because it's just obvious logic. But I don't think that crypto would be the thing that would be a good backup. Well, so I agree, I agree with everything you have said, and I'm, I have nothing to add. I'll just sort of listen off air.
0: Okay. Appreciate it, Gordon. Thanks for calling in. And, and let me add to what Gordon just said, though. It, while he may have a feeling that eventually the dollar could collapse, and that could happen. We've seen it with the Great Depression before. It doesn't mean we can't rebound from it again like we did after it. The problem we run into is at least the, the dollar, so to speak, is backed by a government. Now, I don't like trusting our government for anything any more than anybody else does. But we have something called the FDIC in this country. And other countries probably have similar mechanism to where your accounts that are in real banks with real dollars that you can actually tangibly put your hand on and I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody to be deluded by the fact that it, it could possibly be backed by gold. We haven't been backed by a gold standard in decades at this point. Your, your dollar is your dollar, and it's worth whatever you can buy with it. It's A dollar is really not even currency. It's a promise to pay that's issued is what it is. But, and I really don't want to try to confuse folks, just kind of believe that you can still go buy stuff with it because everybody accepts it as currency. In this country, the dollar is pretty much universally accepted everywhere. There may be a few places that only want trades or only want certain other types of, of payment, but 99% of the businesses in this country accept United States currency. And they'll even say, some of them will even accept foreign country uh, currencies as long as they know how to deal with the trades on it and all. The long and the short of what I'm trying to get at is, is with the dollar, you have our government backing it, so to speak, through what we call the FDIC that has an insurance behind it up to a certain amount per account. And that therefore would allow you to recover a physical dollar amount if a bank fails or if the accounts fail for whatever reason. In this case, there is absolutely nothing to recover from. It's the ghost in a sheet, but there's no sheet even to recover. You've literally got air. And in fact, air has got more value to it than this stuff does, it, li- it It exists in a vacuum out there. Um, and there originally there were very few businesses that took it in the form of payment either because of the volatility of that type of market. It can go up and down, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks. It went from, you know, one Bitcoin being, I guess, and I'm using a, a fictional amount of saying like 35000 the estimate on it, it, da- it was down to 30000 within a few days, and I understand it's going even lower. It could be hidden down towards 20000 Well, if you bought in at a share when it was 35000 and even if you didn't buy a whole share, you par- did a partial share somehow. And I, again, I have not invested in it. I will not invest in it. I've had people try to pay me through my law office with it. I refuse to accept it as a form of currency. I do not have to accept it as a form of currency. And the reason I don't is I don't understand it that well because of the way it works. And I don't want to put myself into a posture of investing into something that I don't see the asset. I don't see any tangibility out of it. But it it is one of those things that it can be very volatile, and its value is based on how many people want to buy it. If you get enough people that are gullible to buy into it, it's those later gullible people that are going to drive the market up that then also take the biggest bath when the ones on top start selling off their shares or selling out their shares. Uh, They're getting rid of them. And the reason they're doing it, they're cashing out. And so they're trying to uh, capitalize, and there's nothing wrong with capitalism, folks. (laughs) I am truly a proponent of capitalism. I don't like when people are able to capitalize off of something that was non-existent to begin with. And I know that I'm going to have people say, well, we bought something. We bought a Bitcoin. What is a Bitcoin? It, It, again, is a creation where you're buying into something that truly really doesn't exist. But what are some of the biggest problems with these things? Well, as I mentioned earlier, you can be hacked and I will give you a personal example with my own credit card. When I was on vacation back in around 2006 or 7, while I was out of town, my PayPal account was hacked. That was the early days of hacking, and it was really easy for them. It's still easy for them if they know what they're doing. But I ended up coming back and finding out that I had had about a $10,000 worth of charges put on one of my credit cards. I had the backing of the credit card company, though, to be able to determine that it was a fraudulent transaction and they took every bit of it off of my account. I paid nothing. They took the bath because they should have caught that it was a hack job. And then when they figured out it was, they gave me all of my money back. That's a lot of money to be hacked into otherwise. If that occurs with Bitcoin and that hack occurs and it does occur, not to me because I don't take it, but it does occur... It's backed by nothing. You're never going to see it again. And the reason I tell you that is Bitcoin doesn't even know where it goes because it gets taken from one location and put into another secured location. They have ultimately no control over the locations of where those coinages or Bitcoins are going. And secondarily, they have no way of tracing where the transfer went. So as a result that becomes a real problem and you're out your money and there's no recourse that you have whatsoever to be able to recover your money. In other words, it's a huge problem, uh, completely unrecoverable, and it therefore makes you susceptible to total loss of your investment if you get hacked. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to the Legal Eagle Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. To call in, the number is 863 682 1430. That's 863 682 1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863 688 2389. That's 863 688 2389. We've been talking about the fallacy of cryptocurrency, and the two callers so far have been dead spot on on the way it, it, it they understand that it's it's truly an imaginary quote, currency, end quote. And this is where I'm getting ready to go into the next part of it. There's design flaws, especially with the idea of Bitcoin. They call it mining new coins. Well, the whole idea is to make it look like you're mining gold or silver or diamonds or platinum or whatever else we've mined in the past. There's a small problem with that. Those are actually tangible items that have a commercial value in our economy based on what we've attached to them where I can actually hold a piece of gold in my hand I can hold a piece of silver in my hand I can hold some platinum in my hand I can hold a diamond in my hand I can't hold a bitcoin in my hand. It's not a tangible item. It's it's a fantasy idea. Uh, it's like playing Dungeons and Dragons in real life I guess not that I ever played that I can't even wrap my head around the whole concept but It's trying to turn something like that into a reality, and they are indicating that there's only going to be a fixed number of Bitcoins. Uh, I don't know what that predetermined number is. I'm sure there's some uh, static thing out there that tells us how many is going to be released, but either way, by 2025, which is only three years from now, there's supposed to be a fixed number total of Bitcoins that exist. Well, that's what was causing the price to be driven. Every time a new Bitcoin would be released by mining it, uh, which would be a share of this overall total that's going to be released, people would buy into it. They would speculate. It's a speculative market. Uh, That's where people get confused and they start saying, well, it's like the stock market. No, that's not the same thing. Even though the stock market's entirely speculative, you can buy stock in something and it'd be worthless the next day. Hey, there's my Kmart example. But what I'm trying to get at is at least with something like that, you're buying into maybe a company or something that a company owns. It's, it's driven by an idea behind it. Here, the only idea behind it is is a form of currency, which is really not a currency, Uh, The the amount of the currency within Bitcoin does not increase proportionately with the number of people using it. If it did, there would be an unlimited number of Bitcoins, uh, much like we have practically an unlimited number otherwise of other currencies. At least our government seems to think we have an unlimited number as they continue to print money and try to ship it and send it everywhere, thus causing inflation. And a lot of people go, well... Maybe you're giving me a good answer as to why we should invest in Bitcoin. No, I'm again telling you there's nothing backing Bitcoin whatsoever other than other future investors. That makes it a speculative market as opposed to a fixed or real market. Um, And because it doesn't increase proportionately with the number using it, is what drives the price up. People keep seeing it going up, and they go, Oh, I gotta get in on this. It originally was issued at like one Bitcoin for $5, and within a very short period of time, it was at $455. Now it's far higher than that. But it's also tanked during that time frame recently because our regular economy has become somewhat volatile. And people are starting to realize, wait a minute, maybe I need to cash out of this thing. Especially those people that were at the top of that pyramid, of the pyramid scheme, they're saying, let me get out of this while I can, and they're cashing out. That makes those shares worth less. It's a speculative investment. If it were a true currency, it would be widely accepted by businesses uh, to be able to pay for goods and items, and it's not. It's, it's accepted by some, but it's not widely accepted. Is it legal to be used in the U.S.? So far. Uh, and I'm going to go into a few minutes, some countries where it's illegal. It's not allowed at all. And, in fact, it's criminal to use it in certain countries. But because of that speculative investment, it becomes a very volatile, uh, easy-to-go-up or easy-to-crash Uh, asset, and I hate to even call it an asset, because while you technically own something, what do you own? It rewards speculators and the creators. The people that were initially involved and the ones that got into it right away afterwards, those are what we call speculators and the creators. They sit on it while others buy in, and that drives the price up. Uh, It's less secure than a national currency in most cases because most governments are the ones backing. And again, I hate centralized government with a passion, folks. That's just me. But I'm not – when we're talking about a currency within your your government or within your uh, location, there has to be some sort of of currency that's going to be accepted. Now, when our country first started, we really didn't have a currency here. We were still using the pound and the pence and whatever else from the British as our form of currency for a long time until we created our own. Uh, But we were still using a currency. Uh, But we also did a lot of trading. You could trade your bushel of apples over here for a bushel of pears over there. You're still trading intangible items. There's nothing here tangible. Uh, And quite frankly, it's very hard for a computer hacker to steal National currencies. Uh, we, t- we. I suppose it's possible if they wanted to hack into some bank somewhere, but again, they're going to be stealing something that's insured, which you get your money back with. You're not going to get your money back from a theft where you've been hacked on a Bitcoin. Um, as I indicated before, it is. It's not a real investment. There's nothing tangible backing it up. Uh, in And like we've talked about before, it is in reality, at least so far, a legalized pyramid or Ponzi, whatever term you're familiar with, scheme, where you make money by investing. But what are you investing in? And we've seen local folks around here actually charged with the creation of what we call a Ponzi scheme. They get investors to invest in their company, whatever that company is supposed to be doing, and then they're paying back dividends to those initial investors uh, based on their proportional share of what they've bought in, but they're doing it from new investors' money. They're not doing it from anything that they've actually created or profited or made up. Well, here, what have you got? You've got an ownership in something that nobody can really trace. Tax issues. That's another problem with this whole deal. It is a form of an intangible property that's subject to capital gains taxes. One small problem with that. Who's reporting how much you bought and what you bought it at, and then what you traded it out as on an asset. Say you bought an initial Bitcoin at, at $5. And a, a year later, it's at $455. And I'm using these as fictional amounts right now, but some of it's pretty close to accurate. And you went and bought a Five dollar item. So you're only paying really one four hundred and fifty-fifth of your initial investment because your investment now is worth four hundred and fifty-five dollars. So what's going to be transactionalized is what that five dollars was versus the four fifty-five you got in the account, so to speak. And I called an account. That's really not even the right way to put it, but I'm trying to make it simple. In other words, you're buying that $5 item with something that you probably only have a penny or two pennies into at that point based on the increase of the worth of that Bitcoin. You should be paying a capital gains tax on the differential between the 2 to $0.05 that you may have paid for it with your $5 purchase and what your original investment was. Now, is that really going to happen? Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? There's no way that that's going to be reported through Bitcoin because nobody seems to even know who's running Bitcoin at any given moment. And so as a result, yes, you're legally required to pay it. The IRS is supposed to make you pay it. How is that ever going to be analyzed and actually taxed? It would be a digital nightmare as well as a brain fry for somebody to try to figure out what you purchased that bitcoin first to begin with at, and what you ultimately bought something with later on. I technically I guess you could also get tangible loss tax or uh, capital losses out of it too. Good luck in proving what your capital loss is. Say you bought it at 35,000 and it, and you used it on a trade at 20,000. You've lost $15,000. Good luck in proving that to the IRS that you've actually lost $15,000 for a capital loss to write off your taxes. So what I'm trying to stress to you folks is it's fantasy land. There is nothing tangible there. There is nothing backing it. And therefore, it is a huge problem in the overall volatility of a market that is now an international market. I've got a few more things I want to go into after the break. You've been listening to TalkNet Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to The Legal Eagle Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. We've been talking about the fallacy of cryptocurrency. And if you want to call in, the number is 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. I'm sure by now you can tell my opinion concerning this whole aspect of cryptocurrency. And it is an opinion, but everything I'm telling you is a fact today. Um, You can get my opinion out of it, but I'm I'm trying to give you the facts as to what actually exists and what doesn't. One of the other bigger issues that attaches to cryptocurrency is there's little or no regulation on it, as it would relate to the United States. Uh, In fact, there are a lot of countries where there is little or no regulation on it. And the uh, countries where that is the case, the governments have made no clear position on the cryptocurrency within their economy. And so, to give you an example, within the country of of the United States, you can kind of use whatever you want to as currency. I can still, at my office, I can take apples for payment on my fees if I want to. That is a form of currency. I still have to report it as income. I I should write a receipt on it to show how much I'm attributing those apples to be towards my, my fee now. I'm going to tell you, I don't take apples towards my fee, but I'm using it as an example. It can be done. You don't have to just sit there and take either cash, checks, or charge cards. You can take other assets and things like that as a form of payment. You can do that with cryptocurrency. You can take it as a form of payment. The problem is the people that have put money in it are not using it in that fashion very often. And there are a lot of businesses like mine that don't accept it as a form of currency. Because those businesses still understand it's a fiction. It's volatile. We don't know from one day to the next what that market's going to be like. For years, it was driven upwards. All of a sudden, in the last two weeks, it's come crashing downward. And it may come way farther down than it has already. So because there's no regulation of it, and I'm one of the last people on earth that likes government regulation, but when you're dealing with money, and investments, there has to be some uh, regulation of it or we end up with abuses in it. The Bernie, Bernie Madoffs of the world can be an abuse that we've seen. And I this is not far removed from a Bernie Madoff type situation using the Internet and a purported system of bank uh, within the, the world of the Internet. So the other problem we've got with this (laughs) is it was actually used by criminals for a period of time for them to pay each other, drug traffickers, people stealing items. It was untraceable because of the cryptic nature of the currency. They could pay each other with it, and it was untraceable by any type of uh, government or police agency. Uh, They would just pay each other with cryptocurrency, and there was nothing regulating any of that. So it still has a form of reputation within that community of being able to pay. A lot of people go, oh, they use cash. Not all of them do. Some of them are using other means of payment. And that was one of the ways they were doing it was through cryptocurrency. You know, they pay a Bitcoin for a pound of dope of some sort, whatever it might be. As for its overall usability, it still has a very limited use. Uh, As far as acceptability of payment, for a long time we were starting to see a lot more businesses accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment. But I will guarantee you, if you go to most of the restaurants here in Polk County, especially right here in the Lakeland area, there are very, very, very few of those restaurants that would accept Bitcoin as a form of payment for whatever you're buying from them. They will take practically any credit card that you put in front of them, maybe even Diners Club if that's still offered out there, But they're not going to take Bitcoin because it's not recognized as an acceptable form of currency uh, for them to be able to use in their businesses, generally speaking. There are some businesses that will take it, but not very many. There are a number of countries that will not accept and, in fact, have made it illegal to deal with Bitcoin whatsoever. They include Qatar Qatar. I don't know how to actually say that. I've heard it said both ways. China, Turkey, Russia, Bangladesh, Egypt, Morocco, Vietnam, I can go down a laundry list. There is a huge list of countries where the idea of cryptocurrency is completely illegal. And you can say, well, these are all totalitarian countries. I I get that. They are. They want to control what's going on in their country. But at the same time, I'm not so sure those countries haven't figured out, hey, we can manipulate some of the other countries that do allow it and their economies by the governments actually investing in this or divesting it and making it volatile. Think about this. It would be so easy for China, with its unlimited amounts of money sitting out there, to go out and all of a sudden one day buy up billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin and drive the price through the roof and the next day dump it. I mean, when I say dump it, I mean dump it and make a fortune off of it with all of those little people in the meantime that were buying into it because they saw it rising like a rocket. Oh, I got to get on this. Those people are going to end up losing their shirts off of it. And they do it just to adversely affect the very countries that have allowed this to continue to exist. How much longer it will last in the U.S.? No idea. Uh, But the long and the short of it is it's not a real good idea. I've never been involved in it. I've never accepted any payments in it. I would not advise anybody to get involved in it. If it has no way of being able to trace where your investment's actually at, has no tangible asset part to it, and there's a lot of people that uh, get invested into what we call intangible assets as well. I get it. But at least you've got somebody backing it that you can find, locate, and potentially recover from if it takes a swan dive. There's no way to do that with this. That's why it's called crypto. You can't figure it out. You can't find it. It's hidden. It's almost like a black market of investment and currency. And as a result, it it literally has no tangible value other than the value assigned to it based on more people buying into it. When people all of a sudden realize it's a bad idea and get out of it, it tanks. And the people on the bottom that are holding some of those things at the bottom end, the latter investors are the ones that are going to get creamed out of it. And there's been people that have lost their entire savings already, as I was talking about before, with the hack jobs that can occur. Just saw a news report two, two days ago on TV. A poor guy had put his entire investment portfolio into cryptocurrency, and all of a sudden logged on one day and it had been wiped out by a hack. Somebody had taken it all. They still hadn't found his money, and he probably never will. He's been told it's probably gone forever, and he's out the money. Talking about a couple of hundred thousand dollars. It's gone. Folks, it's a bad idea. I think it's a horrible thing to get involved in, and I'm certainly not going to get involved in it. While we've got a few extra minutes here at the end, I thought I would remind everybody... That this weekend is the big gun show here in Lakeland. The Lakeland Rifle and Pistol Club has their gun show that is on Saturday and Sunday over in the Sun and Fun area of the airport at the hangar over in that area. You won't be able to miss it because it'll be the one with all the cars outside, and there should be signs directing you into it. Uh, But it's at the hangar that's over in the Sun and Fun area at the airport it is on Saturday and Sunday of this weekend, and yes, yours truly will be at that show. Uh, if you want to catch me there, I will should be in row A, uh, which all the rows are labeled with big letters at the end of each row, so you should be able to find me. Row A, where I'm at, is usually when you come through the front doors, uh, you make a right turn, and I'm on that row uh, directly after you make the right turn, the first row. And if you can't find me, just ask anybody. They'll bring you over to me because I I know quite a few of the folks that are associated with the club. But it's a good time. It's a huge gun show. It's not a small one. There will be a lot of people there, uh, a lot of good people, a lot of like-minded thinking people that are all Second Amendment advocates and and a lot of members of the NRA. Uh, There also will probably have uh, concealed carry permit classes for anybody that had not done that. Of course, we have a lot of local shops that already offer those, and I hate to see that getting stepped on. But the worst case is you'll have a great time. There is no parking fee. Uh, that was one of the benefits from moving from the old location that they do the show, as uh, they people do no longer have to pay to park. You can just pull right up. The only thing you have to pay is to get in, uh, and then once you're in, if you get your hand stamped or they give you some sort of pass, you can go in and out of the building the same day. Uh, if you come back the next day, I believe there's another fee attached to coming in. Uh, there usually is food vendors out there as well, and it's just a, it's a really good time to be had by all. And I enjoy doing that show, and that's why I'm making sure that it gets out there through the show, that it, it will be there this weekend. And I look forward to seeing everybody at it. If you've got questions, I don't mind trying to talk to you as long as I'm not up to my eyeballs in, in dealing with somebody else uh, working with some of the products there. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM, and I look forward to talking to you again next week.